Welcome one and welcome to all to the greatest show of them all. It is the NFC East Mixtape, which you can listen to on any one of SB Nation's NFC East blog podcast networks. You can also watch this show on the Bleeding Green Nation YouTube channel or the blogging the boys YouTube channel. His name is Brandon Lee Gowden from Bleeding Green Nation. My name is RJ Cho from Blogging the Boys. BLG, a little bit of a late resolution into the year, but I know that I have a tendency to speak very quickly. So I'm working on that, which is why I'm trying to mm. let things marinate a little bit more. That's a good one as I try to do that. Too. The people who are on a it's one de- and a quarter or one and a half speed are like, did I did I turn this off? Did I did I go back? So yeah. <laughs> That's definitely it's hard because you know, we love what we talk about. So we get so, you know, excited and like eager to talk about it. So I think we sometimes you lose that pacing because you're just so excited to get your point out. I do that at least. I'll speak for myself. I trip over my words too. Um before we start today's show, I mean start show's already started, but before we get into really division order, before we get into the meat of the episode, I have a couple things to present. Up Hold up. This is where you would Hold ask up. me. So just to what? be clear, this is not NFC East related because if it involves any NFC East team, it is, you're... but it's not like division. It's not like, all right, now we're starting and we're going in division order and we're talking about everything. I hope this isn't more uh, of... filibuster way to get the Eagles in first. It's more. No, it's more. Well, it's more of a something we've talked about before on the show. All right, here, let me play you this clip from the Office Ladies podcast with uh, Jenna Fisher and Angela uh, from, you know, uh, Pam and Angela. So Angela doesn't get a last name mentioned. Only Jenna Fisher did. Uh, What's her last name again? I forget. Sorry, Angela. Anyway, uh, I like the podcast a lot, but this Um, is uncanny. Her name is, her last name is Kinsey, Angela Kinsey. Kinsey. That's what I thought. thought. I hate when people do that. That's what I thought when they didn't offer that whatsoever. I knew it all along. This is where you ask me if I'm ready. And if I say no, that doesn't really change anything. So are you ready? Okay, yes, you are. You ready? Here. Well, let me tell you, a scientist named Leah Boker, who was a researcher at University of Cologne's Social Cognition Center, did an experiment. That's a tongue twister. It is a tongue twister. Leah took German soccer fans and had them watch videos of their biggest rival, who is the Dutch, the Dutch soccer team, missing penalty kicks. And she tracked their response. Then she showed them videos of the German team succeeding at penalty kicks. And what Leah found was that viewers were happier watching the Dutch team fail it's than they were watching the most their embarrassing own team. thing oh. you've ever done. Whoa. I'm really interesting. Interesting. Psychologically proven that it is more fun to watch your hated rival lose than it is, or it can be at least. What podcast speed, do, win. What podcast speed do you have them backed on? up? Uh, yeah, sorry. I've been trying <laughs> to back down to uh, one. One, I have them at 1.5. I listen to everything at 1.5. Other than I'll go the occasional two if I'm trying to like finish a podcast where I don't really necessarily care what they're talking about anymore. But I don't want to turn it off in case there's something that I would be interested in. Yeah. So, you know, I'll ramp it up to two if I have like two minutes left in the podcast sometimes. And I kind of just want to, I'm not even like really actively listening. I kind of just have it on, but mostly a 1.5. Uh, so that was number one. I am a, a 1.25 person. I can't do the 1.5. It's too difficult. But, um, so what Brandon is referencing for those who aren't as um, pathetic as this mindset offers, um, uh, now a year and it's na- science. Na- it's not even now opinion. a year and change ago, we uh, did a podcast with our buddies from the Birds and Boys podcast, um, KMS and Aiden, 
and you offered something that all three of us disagreed with you on. Uh, so not just me, not you know, trolling or anything like that. The, both of them, and Aiden is an Eagles fan, to be very clear, uh, which is the whole premise of their show that we allegedly ripped off. But uh, you told us ahead of the Cowboys-Eagles Christmas Eve game a year ago, where the Cowboys won, that you take more joy and satisfaction in the Cowboys losing than you do the Eagles winning, which was a weird thing to say. Um, but I guess you have, I wouldn't even say two people, but some data collection that agrees with you. I don't think I said that. I said it can be mm, no. more enjoyable sometimes, which is true and brings me to my second thing. This is an Apple podcast review. Five stars, please. And make sure if you've already done it on Blogging the Boys, go over to Bleeding Green Nation, leave a five-star review. If you've done it on Bleeding Green Nation, go over to the Blogging the Boys, leave a five-star review. And if you haven't done either, then do both. This comes from 12746392642 on January 15th. I love these guys as much as a... I wish Apple Podcast would show the whole title. I can't see it on my mobile here. Anyway, the review is my go-to pod for insightful and intelligent discussions related to the Birds, Boys, and the other two Dumpster Fire franchises in the NFC East. BLG and RJ are smart, funny, and respectful of each other. Mm, debatable. Despite their opposing fan perspectives... Their dynamic is a refreshing contrast in sports talk to loudmouth talking heads screaming at each other. And as a man learning to evolve past the toxic masculinity I grew up in and sometimes perpetuated, I appreciate their emotional maturity and vulnerability. It's so great hearing RJ publicly tell a friend that he loves him. I appreciate RJ so much that he has done the unthinkable and made me think more of Cowboys hands as a whole. No longer can I view them all of them as Yosemite Sam. They're comprised of smart and decent lovers of football, too. That being said, BLG is right. And watching Dallas once again choke in the playoffs last night was more fun than any Eagles win. I imagine that only an NFC East fanatic can understand this. And if you're such a person, this is your podcast. Really strong review. Great, Great review. review. Good vocabulary. Uh, kind of the quintessential nfc east mixologist review where it's like love 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 but i really hate the the like team that i'm not a fan of and hope that you experience nothing but sports sadness but you know on a human level really rooting for you uh but also rooting for your sports teams to provide you total and complete misery so that's what we do around here i did see my raising canes cut, i did um do you not have the post malone one did you know about this the cowboys one no i don't have the cowboys did, did you know about it though raising canes cup yeah, you showed me. Um, and about the the post Malone Cowboys specific Canes establishment. You know, do you know Luke Foods? No. Luke Foods. I know Luke Skywalker. Like he's like a TikTok YouTube guy. No, um, I, I was watching some of his reviews, and he went to Canes recently, and it got me Jonesing for Canes. Also, he got one of these filled with cane sauce to dip everything in, like a whole cup, a whole soda cup. Okay. What what is in yours? Strong. Uh, I did the half tea, half lemonade. Arnold, Arnold Palmer. Okay. I, you know that's fine. I think you got to go full sweet tea. Um, shout out to my friend from college, Allison. She taught me a hack with canes, and it's you um, you get the sandwich. You know, some people. I think everybody orders like the box. Mm. You get the sandwich because you get two pieces of toast. You just take it apart. You get the same amount of chicken, and I you did, get to sneak that second yeah. piece of bread in there. Or third, if you swap out the um, the bread for coleslaw. I did the Kenyak combo. I swapped out the 
slaw, which I'm not never like a big coleslaw guy. It doesn't just doesn't do. It's just there. It doesn't really not. There's not. I have no opinion really on it. It's just existing. I'm not a fan of um, coleslaw in general. So, you know what can you do? Um, we. I swapped out the coleslaw for uh, an extra keen sauce. Oh, the sauce is okay. There's um. I'm I'm obliged to mention that in College Station, Giga Maggie's, um, there is a a hometown version of Canes. It's called Lanes, and there are at least there there were two um, during my day in <laughs> wow. the in the Very College good. Station area. And the the main one, because like I said, there were two, but the main one was literally next door to a Canes. Uh, and it's it's I don't know if it's obvious, but it's the exact same concept. It's chicken tenders, fries, toast, and a special Lane sauce that comes in a styrofoam box. Um, but it's, you know, it's a college station thing. So most students and locals obviously prefer, you know, support a local business, nothing against canes or anything like that, but there were people, I had friends and, you know, classmates and whoever, um, that preferred elements of each. So they would go to both because they were right next to one another yeah. and they would say like, oh, well, I like the chicken better here or the fries better, but the sauce here and the toast better and whatever. And they would come up with their own amalgamation of things and the tea and whatever the case may be. So, yeah, that's the way things go. Do you have a fast food combo like that where like you would ideally want one thing from one place? And I, they have to be close by or closest by. And they can't be driving like 20 minutes apart. That does not, fast food doesn't hold up like that. Is there anything that's like close that you would get one thing? Or sometimes you get those places, you know, that have like the KFC Taco Bell combo or, you know, like something like that in one location that you can kind of get wild, I guess, if you really yeah, want I'm, to. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not one of these people. I'm just going to go to one place and get, I think get the food. I think you kind of i agree i mean obviously most of the time that's convenient but like with in and out when we talked about this before the fries just being what they are i had them well done recently like the last time i had it and it definitely was better it did salvage them a bit but it's still just not like a good fast food fry the way i think almost any fast food fry like wendy's wendy's has uh burger king i'm not even the, the biggest mcdonald's fry guy um i actually like them a lot less than other people do but i'd still rather have them than wendy's in general pretty underrated i think when it comes to fast food um and i'm not i don't know the last time i had a burger from mcdonald's whenever i go it's i get a 10 piece and i just something about that hits just right um i will offer this before we get into the football of it all have you seen mcmillions before no uh highly 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 recommend um to you and to anyone it's a documentary i think it's on max uh, now, my wife and I watched it right at the beginning of COVID. It's, it's like nine episodes, maybe. And it's a little bit long, but I mean, you can crush it in a weekend if, you know, nobody's doing anything. And um, it's all about the Monopoly game that that uh, McDonald's used to have. And it's all about how this was like a front for like the mafia. Uh, but 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 it, it, I mean, it's really, really fascinating. Uh, I would offer it's one of the more interesting documentary series I've ever watched. So give it a whirl. Make millions. Hmm. Super Bowl 58 is set. BLG. And I guess we can offer some championship game thoughts um, before we get into the divisional news. And we will go in order, even though you mm-hmm. tried to filibuster, like I said. Um, no, I didn't. That's also not the right use of that word. I wasn't trying to buy I mean, time. maybe you're trying to... I wasn't trying to... Maybe you, you're, you're accusing me of trying to shoehorn the Eagles in, which I'm not I mean, doing. filibuster still works. It's maybe not the most... No, it's maybe, not, maybe not you're the best possible word, but it definitely works. Um, anyway... Um, because what would have happened is you would, we would have kept talking about it and then you would have just transitioned to the Eagles. That's the filibuster. <clears throat> That's anyway, true. It's a bad recovery. How do we you. feel about this was the least preferred option? We discussed this with Steven Serta on TGI football that, that we wanted yeah. to see. We wanted Ravens Lions. <laughs> Although Steven covers the Chiefs for Alehead Pride, so I think we're both happy for him that you know he gets to keep doing this. Yeah, we were talking about right. independent um, of who we but covered. and I think we're it's clear that we're both rooting for the Chiefs. Um, second year in a row for, for Cowboys fans. <laughs> 
but um, you had a tweet that did not age well as the NFC Championship game wore on. I heard it's not about I heard, aging well. I heard it's from not, our it's just a joke. It's I heard from our buddy's stats about your tweet. I, I didn't say the 49ers weren't going to win. I'll just say the that. I, I heard from our buddy's stats. I'm, and I think we're both. They didn't by, the even way, cover. by the way, um, everybody should go to the Gold Standard Network, subscribe to their YouTube channel, uh, go five star rating, review their podcast feed. Stats, stats is heading out to Vegas. Um, and so he's been on our radio show, by the way, in San Antonio. And so uh, I'm sure we'll talk to him again throughout the week. But very, very happy for stats that he gets to experience this. And, and you know, He's the one 49ers related person. I mean, I'm cool with Kyle, Kyle Posey. You know, I'm, I'm happy for Kyle and Fooch. You know, I, mean, I like KP, yeah. of so, course. Yeah. And, well, our, yeah. Our friends and coworkers. <laughs> but anyway, the obvious ones, yes, but especially right. stats. Um, <laughs> so, how do we feel? What NFC East angles, you know, takeaways do we have on it being 49ers Chiefs for the second time in a uh, four year span? Well, I'd like to talk about the Baltimore five Ravens. Years. Second time in five years, even though. Um, you know, last year there was one fan base that got that wrong. I won't point any fingers, but you know, second time in five years. But anyway, uh, yeah, the Ravens. So, can I tell you about this? Is NFC East related? Um, <laughs> did you see the? I'm sorry, Rachel. Oh but yeah, my bit must. Did you continue. see the article that I wrote? By the way, about this. So you uh, do no. a great job of you know cruising around the NFC East blogs. I just slacked it to you. Um, as I watched the Ravens. And this, you're just going to laugh at this. I know that. But all I could think about was the Cowboys. And all I could think about was like, mm. man, maybe it is just really, really, really hard. Like, this is a really difficult thing to do. It's really, really, really hard to reach the Super Bowl. And it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate that Lamar failed and the Ravens failed and, you know, Todd Monken failed and Zay Flowers failed like four times. I mean, and like what was such an incredible season that, you know, we'll have a really hollow feeling MVP next week. It's just gone. I mean, it, it's just meaningless now. It, it's so frustrating. And I, I can completely identify with that as a Cowboys fan. And so I really feel for the Ravens. They had their worst hour at the worst possible time. Mm. So I know something about this a little bit because in, when it comes to like empty MVPs, because that's you know how it felt with last Joel. year when Joel Embiid won the MVP. And it was just like, wow. well, this is nice in the moment. And I'm glad he did. I wanted him to win it. I'm still like appreciative of that in the bigger picture. But, I mean, when you blow a 3-2 lead, when you have a game at home in game six like they did against the Celtics and you still can't – you can never get past the second round. It's like, what does this really mean? What am I really proud of about If I was this, a Mavs fan, I'm not. Season. I would point out that, like, right after Joel had the 70-point night that Luka completely dominated it. So, you know, but whatever. So Dallas dominates Philly once again. So, okay. <laughs> yeah. You don't even like them. I don't so, mind them. Anyway. I mean, uh, yeah, not my team. So, but go on. Uh, <clears throat> so with Lamar, here's my thing on Lamar because I think it gets twisted and it's like, oh, I hate Lamar. Don't hate Lamar. Mm. I'm just been very consistent about how he's an excellent regular season player and he sucks. He s u c k s sucks in the playoffs. He sucks in the playoffs, and no one wants to talk about that. All everyone wants to do in the regular season, especially, but oh my gosh, like the and and look, maybe I'm too guilty of paying attention to what others are saying but i feel like the ringer sorry to drop the ringer is especially like guilty of this of like creating this hype machine around lamar it's not even that i dislike lamar i just like some dislike the discourse that gets surrounded by him and certain other players i think that kind of falls into that with lamar especially it's funny to me because i'll be not even watching a ravens game i'll be watching whatever one o'clock game eagles aren't playing i'm checking twitter and twitter's like oh my gosh lamar like we're we're blessed to watch I, him. It's just like a joy. What a gift to humanity that we get to watch Lamar Jackson. And I checked the Ravens box score. 
And it's like Lamar's one touchdown, one interception for like an 86.2 pass rating. I'm like, what are we talking about here? And um, in the playoffs now, he has nine touchdowns total, including rushing. He has nine So now rushing touchdowns don't rating. count. Interesting. No, I'm saying okay. they do count. No, but I mean, that's that sounded like passing. you were diminishing them. Like, oh, yeah, rushing, I guess. No, I'm just saying, like, altogether, I am including every, I'm including all his touchdowns, and I'm also including all his turnovers. Nine touchdowns, nine turnovers, a pass rating around, like, 76. He has three losses at home. You were, you're the number one seed twice, and you lost and at home. you've lost to the Titans, lowly Titans. Although, I mean, kind of a hot team, but still, lowly Titans. You lost to the Bills, so, like, kind of hard to argue against, you know, for you against that team. And now you've lost to the Chiefs. And so. I don't I don't want to hear you didn't get defensive support either. You know how many points look, that the Ravens have allowed in Lamar's I understand games? your point. Guess the number. Look, no, no, no. This isn't about the AFC North mixtape. I get your, your point is well hurt. We have another game to get to. But what I would offer. This is going to tie in. What the I would North. offer is everybody has this player. You have to let me go finish ahead, my point. Go get, go, now, Guess now how many points that the, the Ravens defenses have allowed Five. in Lamar's playoff games. 18. They've allowed 18 points per game. You know how many he's put up per game? 13. Okay, That's pathetic. But, That's pathetic. I don't want to hear him celebrated. The, the postseason matters. I agree with you, but like, you, you have, to, you have now, to apply whole context. Is it Lamar's fault that Zay Flowers had a meltdown and, and caused a fumble at the end zone? Like, no. Of I course mean, so, not. Is it his fault he threw an interception yes. when he had a chance so like, after that? Is it his we, fault they only put up have 10 the points But as somebody who has hyped up Justin Herbert endlessly, Lamar has an incredible oh, resume relative to Justin, Justin Herbert. For so a that's while. what I was going to say. I've been everybody has for a while. this person. Everybody has the quarterback who people hype up they Justin get annoyed Herbert. about. And for a lot of people, it's Lamar Jackson. For a lot of people, it's Dak Prescott. For a lot of people, it's, I'm sure, Jalen Hurts. For a lot of people, it's Justin Herbert. Everybody has the thing that annoys That's not the same thing. It's totally the same thing. <laughs> Justin has, Herbert gets... Taylor has played well in the Super Bowl. Lamar Jackson can't even, what, get to the one, championship That's game? one of the three playoff games. Four or five playoff games that Jalen Hurts has played. The only one that he has played well in. Granted, it, That matters. It the, but they lost. Being able to see they your lost. quarterback and, play at a championship and level. And Lamar for the, the interception, this is Jalen, Jalen Hurts had the ceiling. fumble that lost them the game. That they literally, he literally okay, had the fumble were, that they, lost them. So game. they played equally well. You're right. The totally equivalent. No, 100%. Here's the, here's the thing. Context. It could be true that Lamar had a, an MVP season, is amazing, rightfully deserves all sorts of praise, and was awful in a moment that really, really, really mattered. I mean, but consistently is awful they, in the playoffs. He was amazing not, the week before against Houston. He was incredible. I mean, that's his one good playoff well, game. I mean, out no, of you six just tries. used the word consistent. That Every is literally an inconsistency. One anyway, out of six the games are inevitable. Is that's his playoff the track are record? Inevitable. And it is not that different than Dak Prescott, who by the also way, is celebrated so much in the regular season. By the way, and then the now, to North, be fair to Dak, he's been better the, than Lamar the in the playoffs. The North will play the NFC East in 2024. So this is going to get squared away one way or another. I'm sure Lamar will be great in the regular season and beat the Eagles and then do nothing was, in the playoffs That was my again. point, though, and why I wrote the article. Like, it's... It's it's not easy to be great in the regular season. Like people throw that out, like you just did. Like, oh, he'll just dominate the regular. Season. Oh, he'll just dominate for four months. I'm not I saying mean, it's like, easy, but we also have no, to factor it in. We can't just be like, oh, Lamar's so awesome, it, and then not. It's worth the mentioning playoffs. that like it's this is a really hard thing to do. They failed. Criticize them all you want. I'm totally down with that. But like, they're not these losers. He's not this choker just because they had a bad playoff game in the AFC no, Championship. But it's not just like oh, you know. They, we have like, to get to the toe, NFC East. We have a whole other game to get to. The NFC the game, the NFC championship game. Do you have a Chiefs take before we move on? Uh, I hope they win the Super Bowl. I know a lot of people are have Chiefs fatigue. I don't like love the Chiefs, but I don't hate them. I just I don't really care. They're almost at the point where it was with the Patriots for me. 
I know like people, some people wanted the Rams to win that Super Bowl, Sean McVay's first one, where he had the lowest scoring output in Super Bowl history <laughs> because they didn't want to see the Patriots win again. But like my thing was like, Patriots have won so much, this doesn't matter. This doesn't impact uh, anything. Like, okay, well, that was, well, that was why when Michael Irvin said he was rooting for the Eagles against the Patriots, that was that is the one thing I will never. He wasn't alone in that. There were some Cowboys fans that, because at the time, New England only had five uh, Super Bowls. So a lot of people were like, Eagles fans don't want to hear that. Eagles no, fans but, don't want. I mean, Michael I'm just, to I'm just contextualizing it. At the time, New England had five, and Pittsburgh had six. They were the first to six, and Dallas obviously has yeah. five. So a lot of people were like, "Well, I don't want New England to pass the Cowboys." So what? Like, if not beyond the fact that like it doesn't really mean anything, and beyond the fact that Pittsburgh already did, um, like you can always pass them again. You can't undo a team winning a Super Bowl. You should never, ever, 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 ever want that. Uh, so that was my two cents. But anyway um afc championship game i'm just my point with that was that like no one agrees with that <laughs> pretty um, much like eagle sands don't want them rooting for them you don't want them rooting for them yeah the nfc championship game the brock purdy discourse is on a whole different level like this this is the most obnoxious yeah. conversation that anybody has ever anywhere on the internet or otherwise luck is part of winning a championship and look the 49ers had bad luck last year obviously when they mm. played the Eagles. Do you want to so tell everyone that, what your tweet was that aged poorly? Or do you want me to? Maybe. It's not even. How did it age poorly? It's just a joke. I didn't say the 49ers are definitely losing this game. The joke the is. The tweet that, was. Oh, wow. The 49ers okay. would be yeah. at 49 to 0 on the Lions right now if Brock yeah, Purdy wasn't it's a, hurt. It's a commentary on how whiny they were. And it was like, oh, you how could never, they possibly ever, lose a game ever, unless Brock Purdy ever is said, hurt. you know what? That is kind of a fair thing to be upset about. You never once said that. And they proved that with their quarterback, he can make plays to help them win the game. I don't think I never. You never you once never, said that. Never ever once said because you, I actually respect that you were committed. Well, I'm to saying bit. it now. It's unfortunate. Well, yeah, now you're sucks. saying it because it's it's, now you have feeling. to say it. They 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 called you I've out. I've said it before. This is a weird thing to to because mm, you don't uh, like it. It's weird. Gripe mm, about. Interesting. I've, I've I I understand. Obviously, I can put myself. I'm a very empathetic person. Believe it or not, I can put myself in the shoes of the Eagles being in that spot and me not being happy about it. But you know me. I don't dislike. Praise the Eagles no matter what. If the Eagles were acting like the 49ers did after they lost a championship mm. game, I would not feel good about that. I would not be like, this is just like the way they complain about the field. The and I feel good about that. That was totally different, though. That is not mm. the same thing. It's not mm. the same thing at all. The pot and the kettle. It's mm. not the same thing. After the immediate, in the immediate aftermath of the game, they were nothing but great, uh, grateful and graceful, whatever the word is, to the Chiefs. James Bradbury took full accountability for the penalty. There was no like, oh, well, the field it said, it, it no said, said multiple that. times if the if, that they would have won, they would if the game had, if, who who said uh, that? Brandon Graham did not. Brandon Graham not had one of the, won the biggest game. loser energy comments about the whole thing. Okay, why don't you put first of all? You have to understand the context of Brandon Graham. Literally, just talks trash. Oh, all sorry, the time. he's like, that's so, just who he so is. We it's have like, to. So well, Debo like talks Marcus trash all the time, but it's not okay. Brandon Ayuk talks trash all the time. Well, it wasn't just Debo. Okay. It was the whole team. It was they, the whole team. It's they cashed the whole all team. the checks they wrote. They talked a lot of crap about the Eagles. They went to Philadelphia. They blasted them in the regular season. I mean, granted, Big Dom helped out. And then they won the NFC. And they almost threw it away. It was really funny when they were down 24-7. to But do you think um, – put yourself in, in your own shoes pre-2017. Do you think Lions fans are grateful to have experienced this? Or are they like, oh, no, the, the pain is way too much. Like, I wish, you know, <laughs> no, I, I mean, it's not a serious question, yeah, but, you know, you get my point. Well, my serious answer to your non-serious <laughs> question is that I've said this before. No one is ever like, oh, I'm so glad we lost and didn't get that. No one ever says that. No one's like, I'm glad we didn't get to the championship game. That's not a real thing. No one ever feels that way. It's easy to say that in the moment. 
as like a, a coping mechanism, a part of grief bargaining. That's like sure. a stage of grief. It's bargaining. But um, yeah, I don't buy that. I my friend Alex is a big Lion fan. I, I probably brought him up before. He was enjoying this ride. He was like every step of the way. He was like he was not expecting the Lions to win the Super Bowl. So he was just like, hey, whenever like this is great. And if it ends, it ends. Oh well. But uh, yeah, obviously it's heartbreaking. But I, I do think Lions fans are happy. They saw it. Come on, like for, to not see a playoff win in what whatever thirty many years two nineteen ninety one. It's worth it. What's your take on the Dan Campbell thing? Getting too much blame. Uh, I'm not saying he was perfect, but I think the operate and obviously the biggest mistake is the end of game. Shouldn't have run the ball there. That was an insane decision, I think. And if you are going to run it, you can't. Call we power ranked the decisions uh, on Monday Football Monday. I heard that. Um, that's the most egregious agree one. That that's the most egregious. I think the second most egregious is not going for the field goal. I'm sorry, kicking the field goal at the end of the first half. Because if you if you're gonna be this dude, be it the whole way through. Um, like, I that's tough. That's I think that's a little bit tougher because you can go up three. A guaranteed three possessions is a then big why did why turn it down or twice when you guarantee. have the opportunity in the second half? Yeah, I mean, again, uh, that's what I'm saying. Like those those perfect, are conflicting but, ideologies. That's why I have a problem with them. But I'm I'm mad about the discourse being like. They lost the game because he was aggressive and goes for it in fourth down. When in reality, like the, again, as JP talked about, the bigger issue, like the drops and yeah, the, I mean, a, a deep you have interception turning into a touchdown. Yeah, basically, like that's those are the that's where issues. I think we're unfair, positively and negatively, to people like Lamar Jackson and Brock Purdy. Lamar, it's just he lost the playoff game when it's like, well, Zay Flowers like completely melted down. That's one moment. Granted, Lamar you know failed in many others, and with Brock Purdy, it's like, yeah, Brock is awesome. Brock is clutch. Brock is whatever. You're right. Brock is totally responsible for the Jameer Gibbs fumble, for the Josh Reynolds drop, for the crazy Brandon Ayuk 51 yard reception that actually hit a Lions defender in the face. Right? Like we don't have to, we don't have to just pick one moment and extrapolate it and it be the take. But um, go Chiefs. That's really the, the main takeaway. I mean, the quarterbacks get paid a lot of money for a reason. They get paid a lot of money to, they can't, you can't pay. And this applies to Jalen Hurts too, when people want to defend him. And I'm not saying it's all in Hurts, but it can't be like people, I think people want to treat quarterback like, oh, it's a small factor. Like it's a tiny factor. No, it's a significant factor. When you pay a guy a quarter of a billion dollars, it's a, it's a significant factor. It's not a not the, significant um, factor. I don't know if you saw this since we started. The Pittsburgh Steelers are hiring Arthur Smith to be their offensive coordinator. Yeah. That is, I'm glad the Eagles didn't. Well, let's get into new coordinators, things like that. Um, Let's take a very quick break. Brandon, say we're going to break. We're going to break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're back. During the break, Brandon, you told me you learned how to break dance. Man, I am not athletic or quick enough to do that. Definitely. The Dallas Cowboys or are still waiting on learning the fate of Dan Quinn, at least at the time of this recording. I don't think he's going to get hired. I don't either, but I'm just laying out you... the news. I mean, the situation. It's Tuesday lunchtime for us. Um, I don't, but I mean... 
they're still waiting. I mean, the only openings at the moment are Seattle and Washington. And I think we've all kind of presumed that Ben Johnson's going to Washington. Um, so now that can officially happen, potentially. Obviously, now that the Lions are done. I don't know. You saw the Schefter thing, right? Like, uh, it was like Schefter basically said, there's a lot of assumptions that Ben Johnson's well, going that, to Washington. That's, that's what I'm yeah, saying. Like, that has been the, the general assumption. And so we'll see. But And he said one of those things is definitely or probably not going to happen. So we'll see. I mean, it could be Dan Quinn. If it is, the Cowboys need a defensive coordinator. And on oh, what, baby. Uh, I'm trying to remember if it was Saturday or Sunday. I think it was Saturday. No, I can't remember what day it was. But Saturday. No, it was Sunday. This is very delicious. Um, no, it was Saturday. I, I really can't remember. It was one of the days of the weekend. Um, tell tell us who it is, RJ. Tell well, us who the, the Cowboys I'm getting there. But for the first is. time, almost two weeks after the season finally ended for the Cowboys, a name emerged as a would-be Dan Quinn replacement if he were to leave. Oh, that, my that, gosh. That had not that? happened. There had not been a single, except for, like, internal discussions, right? Like, people who are on the staff, like, oh, maybe this person could be promoted. In terms of external potential hypothetical options, and nobody had been brought up. So, of course, because <laughs> because the mixtape <laughs> deserves content. Of course, the first external person to be thrown out as an option was Ron Rivera. That's right. Who, I mean, I'm going to still trash. I mean, I have I have been extremely and extraordinarily consistent about this. I think you would support that yeah. from really day one of, of, of the mixtape. I've trashed and trashed and trashed and trashed. I've mentioned how <laughs> I think there's now five teams who have won a division with a sub-500 record, I mm-hmm. think counting last year's Bucks, maybe six now. Um, but either way, it's a handful, so to speak. Ron Rivera has been the head coach of two of them. Like he's, he's, I think those are two of his four division titles. I mean, like he is the luckiest coach literally in NFL history in that respect. Yes. The commander's defense was kind of nice two years ago, but as I talked about last week when he was mentioned as an Eagles candidate for defensive coordinator last year, they were really bad. And you brought up rightfully and fairly in the name of all context that they kind of punted on the season, obviously trading away Chase Young and Montez Sweat. But on the whole, their entire time since 2020, when he took over, they ranked 16th in EPA per play as a defense. 16th, like completely and totally average. This just feels like an underwhelming Cowboys. Well, let's just get the leader of men, the guy who people know, blah, blah, blah. And if this is truly the best that they can do, it serves to the idea that the lame duckness of Mike McCarthy's situation isn't one that, you know, would be hot, young, on the rise people want to be a part of because you don't know if he's going to be dismissed or not retained after 2024. So Mm -hmm. why would you want to tie yourself to that? This is now I mentioned last week. The only thing I could say positively for Ron Rivera is that it seems like he really just wants to work on football because of the mess, obviously, that Washington was. And I kind of get that. And as we've long said, he seems like an exemplary human being. But I want nothing to do with this. Like, I, I want zero. I would rather have Nick Sirianni be the offensive coordinator of the Cowboys than Ron Rivera be the defensive coordinator. And I, again, I, it's just how I felt the entire time. So, of course, of course, this would happen to me, Brandon. Why? Why could I not have anything good in my life? Why? I love how much you hate it, but I don't think it, it's as bad as your reaction is warranting. And I and I'm I've been consistent about this. I said last week, I don't love I'm not excited about the idea of Ron Rivera as an Eagles defensive coordinator when it was in play last week, but I think it could be fine because what I think the goal for the Eagles is, and ultimately, obviously, the Eagles hired Vic Fangio, and at the time I said, I don't love the candidate, but I do like the idea. I like the concept of what they're going for, which is bring in experienced veteran defensive coordinator who knows what they're doing on that side of the ball, proven commodity, and 
maybe it kind of limits your ceiling and maybe not, but maybe it does. Let's say it's just for argument's sake. It does kind of limit your ceiling. You're not going to be, you know, Mike McDonald. You're not going to be like this revolutionary thing next ahead of the curve in the NFL and an elite defense. But I think the trade-off for that is you're kind of establishing a higher floor for your defense. You're, you're establishing, at least in theory, competency. And I think Ron Rivera does that at a lower scale than obviously someone like Vic Fangio. But uh, I think it would be fine. I don't think it's a move that is pathetic and disqualifying, but I, it's not one to get super excited. About. I'm so down on this. No. And if the response to my tweet, because um, it was Ian, Ian Rappaport who reported it, um, and I tweeted it out that he had said it. Every, I mean, I would say 99% of tweets, and there were a lot of interactions with this were like, this is horrible. They hate me. Why am I cursed? Like, everybody was just, everybody's so out on this. I mean, well, who would you rather have? I mean, I'd rather have Joe Witt Jr., just an internal promotion at that point. Like, especially if it is a lame duck year. I mean, like, th- this just, like, so Ron Rivera is the knight in shining armor who shows up and saves things. He, he never once, like, consistently got anything out of Chase Young, right? Who, you know, was a failure in Washington, but we agree was like a generational prospect, right? Like, that was how people talked about him. And <clears throat> so, some tough, tough run defense from Chase Young on that one line I, touchdown that's what, where he okay, just kind like, of just watches may, may, the defender run right by Ch- him. So Chase's faults are obviously partly Chase's faults. But, yeah. I mean, yep. Ron Rivera is supposed to be this, like, developmental, you know, superstar defensive mind, whatever, blah, blah, blah. So, like, we're going to hand him the keys to Micah Parsons? You know what I mean? Like, after he couldn't get this done with Chase Young? Like, name name the defense. He'd have him play an off-ball na- Name the de- – oh, I'm I'm serious. I'm predicting this. If Ron Rivera is the defensive coordinator of the Cowboys in training camp, there will be a quote and of a, of like Micah playing some off ball linebacker and Ron being asked about it and be like, "Man, he just he reminds me of Luke Keekley." Yes, Keekley. exactly. Like it's exact. <laughs> Can you not see that happening? Like that when then? Yeah, that's why uh, I said it. <laughs> I'm so pre annoyed at this. I'm just <laughs> you're preking. <sighs> okay, uh, but you would rather have. Dan Quinn then than Ron Rivera Which because is not you saying have been on the record lot. saying you I don't mean, yeah you don't want you don't want Dan no Quinn and now. that's like every some people are like oh well you don't want Dan Quinn and you don't want Ron Rivera so what do you want to do I don't know maybe there are more than two human beings on the face of the earth like maybe we could possibly look somewhere else other than these two dudes well I think it's fair to say maybe you don't know the exact name but like what kind of yeah what kind of person are you looking for like give throw a concept out is it is it someone who's done it before is it Maybe someone like if who could looking, be the next Mike McDaniel, like Jesse Minter. Yeah, in college if you're or looking something. for an archetype, the to... retread former head coach, leader of men, is not working out for you. So you do not need to go that route literally again with Ron Rivera. I will pass, pass, pass. No, thank you. Um, but speaking of, just like that's Kelly what I was Moore. about to say. Spe- look, we're on the same wavelength today, except for a year like, oh, Lamar <laughs> sucks and it's horrible thing. Um, on the subject of pass, 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 the Philadelphia Eagles have two new coordinators. Um, <laughs> Nick Sirianni has no power, no say, no control whatsoever. Total uh, figurehead of the Philadelphia Eagles organization because Jason Vic- Garrett. Man, that's not a. I don't think you meant it as a compliment, <laughs> but not. not it, no, that's that's I who didn't. he is. That really is who this. Uh, Vic Fangio is his Rod Marinelli. And Kellen Moore is his Scott Linehan. That is who Jason, uh, who Nick Sirianni oh. is right now. The Eagles do have two new coordinators. I'll be straight up and say that when the Fangio thing happened, um, first of all, I don't know how this isn't tampering. Like, I don't know how it could just be like, oh, I just want to go work for the Eagles. The Dolphins are going to let me out of my... Dolphins didn't want to I keep mean, them. I guess, but it's oddly... 
there's enough rumblings around like the players and Fangio didn't necessarily see eye but, to eye. But re- seemed to be something of an arranged marriage between Mike McDaniel the and Fangio. Thought, like genesis of that thought for me stemmed all the way back to what was his official title during the playoffs last year? Like advisor or whatever. <sighs> yeah, so he was a consultant, but apparently it was only for the offense. My suspicion slash things I had heard because back in, during the season, our own Michael Kist uh, reported that Fangio was consulting. He said that during the season. Now, Fangio himself said he was only helping with the offense. That's all the reporting. My suspicion is that that's not entirely true, and it was made to be only offense-related because they didn't want to make like Jonathan Gannon look bad at all, that he had to kind of like have his hand held a little bit. But wow. I think Fangio was more Gannon involved in the Eagles? defense last year. <laughs> they broke themselves by promoting Matt Patricia. Um, by the way, Sean Desai, isn't it funny? Like he's getting like defensive coordinator. I hope he's awesome. This I hope he's awesome somewhere else. Dude, I think people forgot this. Eagles played the Cowboys first time, the Chiefs, the Dolphins, and the Rams. And guess how many points the Eagles allowed in the second halves of those games combined? 13. They allowed six. Six. They led six points combined in the second halves of those games. I'm not saying Sean Desai was flawless and you know he should have stayed or whatever, but like to act like he couldn't do anything is so, just wrong. It's objectively um, wrong. When the Fangio news finally dropped, what I was getting anyway. at, um, I'm a little worried because that's that's Dak Prescott's kind of kryptonite right now. Um, if there is one. Now, I do think that's a little mm-hmm. bit overblown, but in terms of recent, you know, opportunities, he's kind of failed. Uh, obviously, the Miami game this past year on Christmas Eve. Funny how Christmas Eve, you know, is connected mm-hmm. to Cowboys and Eagles from back-to-back years. But also, I don't know if you remember, Fangio was the head coach of the Broncos um, when I talked all that crap about them, and then they... And then, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, and then that. they destroyed the Cowboys. Uh, <laughs> so that was That was... The most predictable outcome. That was ever. my Ron Rivera moment when I didn't even know it. But anyway, um, so he's presented some trouble for Dak Prescott. Is really my point. He's the um, he's the Olivier Vernon to Dak Prescott's Tyron Smith. Hmm. Uh, I like the hire because, as I said last week, and I said earlier I'm, in the show, I'm, I wanted that. I'm kind sorry, of mold. Brandon, but this is a little bit of breaking news. Um, just because we What's we talked about on? it, um, Ben Johnson has informed the Seahawks and Commanders that he's staying in Detroit. So. Yeah, wow, so. huge. That's a yeah. big deal. I'm glad the commanders are not hiring him. Uh, nice. Good. Uh, we'll get to that, I guess. The, well, maybe we can get more into the commanders later. Although, I wouldn't love if the, if the commanders hire Mike McDonald because I do think that would be interesting for them. But anyway, back to Vic Fangio. Again, I think it's just about, and this has been like a common talking point, it's about establishing that baseline of competency. That's what the Eagles are looking for right. with the Fangio hire. I think it's not about, I mean, if they if they are an elite defense, great. Of course, that's like the goal in theory, but at the very least, the goal is to be a well-coordinated defense. And that sounds obvious given the name of his position, but we obviously saw last year how things went awry late in the year when they were trying to implement a whole new system on short notice. And we saw things go wrong, obviously not that Sean Desai didn't have his highlights, as I mentioned, but also there were issues there, especially against the 49ers and Cowboys at the end and some talk about things being overcomplicated. Maybe some of that kind of just kind of comes with the Fangio system. At the end of the day, it's so much better to have the actual real deal than the imitation of that thing. And I do think there's something to be said. Jimmy Kemsky, you know, my BGN radio co-host, did a good job of highlighting how all the Fangio disciples and even Fangio himself have 
Like they, their offense, they're not, these aren't like the best defenses in the league. And I think there's something to be said about how teams have had so much time now to prepare for this style of defense with everyone uh, using it that it's not that they've like figured it out and it can't have any success, but it's certainly not ahead of the curve anymore. It's kind of just like they've seen this before. It can be effective. Obviously, the players matter um, and how Fangio implements it matters. There's a lot of different factors that go into it. But ultimately, I like the Fangio hire. I think I'd be hard-pressed to probably find a candidate that I would have liked better than that. So I'm cool with it. Um, I mean, I, it, the rule of how do your opponents feel, it bothered me. I mean, relative to the Cowboys specifically. Sure. And so I think it's it's a, it's a we're taking this seriously move. And even if it is a neutering of Nick Sirianni, which I kind of think it is, um, and I don't think I'm unique in that. I mean, who cares? No, that's you a know. good point because Sirianni felt the need to like make a change and, and kind of get involved on the defensive side of the ball last year. Like he, he, he was the one apparently that made the change. So now it's kind of just like hands off, like total hands off. Vic Fangio runs the defense. That's over it. under for a number uh, for times that Nick Sirianni is seen at a Phillies game this spring slash summer. Three and a half. Well, Vic Fangio is a big Phillies. Well, I, know, I know he's I know from he like that. the area or has family or whatever, but like oh, I'm talking like Nick Sirianni. But he's specifically a big Phillies. Oh, he's fan like too. he's not like a he's Sixers fan or something. Like, that's his team, like the Phillies. I I don't I can't speak to what he isn't a fan of, but like he's been on the record. There's wow. an athletic interview where he talks about. So the then Phillies. he he hates the Astros because we beat you in the World Series. <laughs> okay uh kellen i don't know about sirianni at a phillies game I, I don't know. my whole point was i do think this one. is an off season of playing low for sirianni and i think he might need that you know i'm not saying he's gonna like hole up but you know i don't think he was high profile last year i don't think he was like everywhere um he wasn't on like a johnny manzel heisman to, uh trophy tour no. anyway um kellen moore the real coordinator of intrigue because, you know, we know what Vic Fangio right. is at some level. But, like, the question is, who is Kellen Moore? And I guess you should go first because you have more experience with who he is. So I saw your write-up about this, and you referenced all the DVOA numbers and things like that. Um, I did a hit with our buddy Farzi um, on Sunday, actually, talking about it. Was, that, that was the Ron Rivera day because the Ron Rivera thing popped. I had to delay Farzi like 10 minutes so I could write that article. Um, so Mark Farzetta, for those right. who don't so, know. I think it's important to understand the backstory if you're an Eagles fan, because I, I think it's also interesting. So Kellen Moore is a, I'm, we talked about Scott Linehan, or I mentioned him. He's a Scott Linehan disciple. Kellen Moore went undrafted at a Boise state, literally one of the most successful and decorated quarterbacks in the history of college football. And Scott Linehan loved him. I mean, like absolutely loved him. So speaking of the lions, it was with the Detroit lions. He was there with Matthew Stafford. And mm -hmm. uh, when Scott Linehan joined the Cowboys staff originally as the passing game coordinator, and then the offensive coordinator, uh, he brought Kellen Moore as a player to, to the Cowboys roster. Um, this was still in the Tony Romo era. If you recall in 2015, when Romo missed 12 games, Kellen got a couple of starts in there um, for a while. I think actually until Tua was drafted, Kellen was the last person to throw a left-handed pass um, in the NFL, or maybe Dez threw one because he threw a touchdown to Jason Witten at one point, but last yeah, anyway, so um, in, in 2016, Dallas at a training camp with Romo coming off that season and Kellen is the primary backup and Jameel showers and Dak Prescott is a rookie and Kellen broke his ankle and that vault during training camp and that vaulted Dak to QB two. Obviously Romo got hurt and you know, Romo never got the job back. And so Kellen never really, you know, got anywhere close, but then in 2017, and again, I think all this context is, is interesting. Um, Kellen was, was Dak's backup and 
the Cowboys had Cooper Rush as then an undrafted free agent rookie. And Cooper beat out Kellen Moore in, in the preseason. Mm-hmm. And so Cooper Rush entered, you know, 2017 as Dak Prescott's primary backup. And Kellen was just kind of hanging out on the practice squad because the Cowboys really valued what he brought from a game breakdown standpoint and things like that. And everybody used to hate Kellen Moore because the people were like, why are you keeping this dude on the practice squad? Like, why are you burning this spot? It wasn't until the Eagles, <laughs> I don't know if you knew this, reportedly wanted to sign Blake Jarwin um, off of the Cowboys practice squad that Dallas actually, at that point, Kellen was on the roster. They had to finally just cut Kellen outright to save Blake Jarwin. They promoted him. Um, and incidentally, Philly would go on to draft Dallas Goddard uh, as a result of all that. And mm-hmm. that pushed Kellen into the coaching profession. So he wound up coaching not just Dak Prescott, who had beat him out, but Cooper Rush. And that has always, as I look back on it, kind of clouded how we've been able to evaluate Kellen. Because it's a weird thing that he had to coach not just one, but two quarterbacks who literally beat him, right? Like that, like how many situations in the NFL can you look at where that's the case? It's right. Humbling. And so in 2018, he was the team's quarterback coach. Um, and in 2019 was when Dak really kind of took off as a passer. It was a real different kind of break point for him. And a lot of people have attributed that to what John Kitna offered as his quarterback's coach that season. Um, somebody who really worked on the fundamentals. Something Farzi asked me was, can Kellen Moore develop Jalen Hurts? And what I told him was, he's never really done that. I mean, like when he got his hands on Dak Prescott as the OC, I mean, Dak was already a, a well-established NFL quarterback. And obviously Justin Herbert last year, same sort of thing. But I mean, Kellen is, you know, the kind of classic early 2000s college football, want to throw the ball a million times, score a million points. And I know you remember Mike McCarthy's quote at the combine a year ago where he said that Kellen just wanted to light up the scoreboard and he wanted to, to run the ball and everybody focus on that. I, I've said before, and, and I, this just works out that Kellen's another the Eagles offensive coordinator. I think McCarthy was right. I mean, he was proven right. He, he coordinated a more mm. efficient offense. Um, now they crashed and burned obviously in the playoffs, but, um, and Kellen flamed out with the chargers and it's, it's a one year sample size, but in the year since we saw the best season ever from Dak Prescott and we saw Justin Herbert really inhibited. Um, so it doesn't necessarily suggest that Kellen is an answer to anything, but obviously that could change. I think that's the case for concern for sure. And I did highlight that. That's the one thing I'm like, I'm, I'm like, well, so the, on the plus side, Inarguably, he over he was a play caller for some really high level offenses. He's done that. That's on his resume. Also on his resume is that the Cowboys offense got better when he left last year, and not like like otherworldly better. And also part of it was let's admit we even said last offseason the offense was expected to get better from a turnover standpoint because Dak had an unsustainably high level of interceptions relative to his, his entire career. So that was always going to bounce back, probably regardless of even if the play caller got worse just because of regression to uh, normalization there. So I will say uh, I heard two points from different Eagles podcasts about Kellen Moore and kind of pushing back on the idea of the Cowboys offense getting better. And I want to get your thoughts on these. I, I know I'm not saying these are legit just because they're presented, but I thought they were interesting points. Number one was our friend Ben Solak from the Ringers Philly special. Even though you trashed the kind of talking already. about. Yeah. Who, I mean, <laughs> again, there's certain obsession with certain players, I think goes overboard. I think you can appreciate Lamar. No, no, you're right. Anyway, uh, he kind of suggested the 2023 offense was more about Dak and CD cooking on their own than like this great schematic revolution advantage. And that Mac- McCarthy's uh, stated end of season vision that you kind of just referenced there uh, didn't exactly come to fruition. And on a similar note, 
Uh, Bo Wolf from the PHLY podcast said that Fran Duffy, who, if you don't know who Fran Duffy is, he's like this tape grinder guy that um, works for the Eagles like on their post game show. Really good. Uh, all 22 analysis and stuff. Anyway, he said the Cowboys started to like they, they started out slower on offense last year, which I think, you know, that sounds about right a little bit. Uh, and they got back to doing more of some of the Kellen Moore stuff when they started to have more success. So just wanted to get your take on that. I'm not in a mood this um, this offseason to defend Mike McCarthy the way that I did before, like with a lot of rigor and energy. But man, I mean, it's amazing the lengths that people will go to just completely discredit him. Like to be like, oh, nothing good that happened in 2023 to the Cowboys offense was a result of Mike McCarthy. Like nothing whatsoever. And the only good things that happened were because they did the Kellen stuff. Um, like, it, I don't think that's what they were saying, I, to be clear. It's I a just generalization. Think, I think their point was Kellen Moore still had influence. How there, could he not? He like, there. I mean, he was their coordinator for three, se- no, four seasons. Um, although obviously in 2020, Dak missed a lot of time. I think one of the more important things that happened to the Cowboys, and I think this helped Dak and CD, there was this big story that Yahoo Sports did at training camp about how McCarthy was so insistent on the Cowboys wide receivers understanding the timing of Dak Prescott's feet and his leg work. Mm. Um, because it was it was that lack of understanding or that lack of everyone being on the same page that led to a lot of tip balls and things like that. Because, you know, a half second here, a half second there, you know, you're a half second early, half second late. I mean, that can affect, you know, a tip ball or whatever the case may be. Um, and so that came from Mike McCarthy. And I know that nobody likes to give him credit for anything, but like he does have a history of developing quarterbacks, not just Aaron Rodgers and Dak Prescott, but Matt Flynn played really well. I mean, um, uh, you know, he, he got the best out of Cooper rush more than, you know, more than Kellen Moore ever did. And so, I mean, hmm. I, again, I'm not trying to sit here and say that Kellen Moore is trash, but I do think that Kellen is somebody who his, and to be, I want to be also very clear. I was upset when the Cowboys, I wasn't upset, but I thought it was the incorrect decision. Although I did couch that by saying, you have to see who Mike McCarthy is as a play caller, which I know you, you understood. Yeah. Um, also, by the way, that decision was announced as the Eagles won the NFC last year. So a lot of like weird symmetry and, you know, parallels happening here, but um, Kellen wanted his foot on the gas all the time. And that sounds like a good mm. thing, but I, I somewhat understand what Mike McCarthy was saying about how like sometimes you've got to you've got to turn like it's it's not a, a straight race. You know what I mean? It's, it's not a sprint race in F1. It's a track and it's a course and you have to mm-hmm. be able to kind of adjust. And we never really saw that from Kellen. And we, we did see in 2021 and 2022 specifically, their offense has faded down the stretch um, and, and it just yeah. it, it never held. And so I fully be- unlike last year. I fully believe that, you know, the, that there will be some successes, but I'm we have not seen Kellen Moore kind of go wire to wire with a great year as an offensive coordinator so far, but he's very, very, very young, obviously. Yeah. And that's another part of it. And look, you can't be lost that the Eagles interviewed Kellen Moore for their head coaching position when they hired Nick Sirianni. So, you know, I don't think that's not a factor in terms of if it's clear that, Hey, offense is cooking. Hey, like we like what we have going on defense head coach. Isn't really giving us much or is actually a detriment. I don't think it's that crazy. They'd be like, oh, we're just going to make Kellen Moore head coach and we can retain a lot of what we have here. So I, I definitely don't. I don't think that's like the plan A, obviously. That's not like what you're planning to hoping to do. But I don't think that's not a plan C or whatever. It's some kind of backup plan. So ultimately, uh, I like this better than Cliff Kingsbury. I didn't want Cliff. Gerard Johnson, I'm intrigued by. I think he might have a bright future. But he's like, I just, you fired Brian Johnson 
who barely had a lot of experience as a play caller to hire Gerard Johnson, who's literally never done it. Like that just didn't seem like a realistic move to me, especially if you're putting the emphasis on win now. So again, uh, I I don't think like Kellen Moore is a A plus slam dunk hire, but I do like how he has at a very basic level been part of some very elite top of the league offenses. And I think that is, offers some reason for the last thing i would offer on this whole subject and then we can touch on the giants and commanders but um kellen is only 35 i mean so he's incredibly young i mean like consider that you know brian johnson who we'll talk about in a moment is 37 i mean so you know what i mean like it's most of i would say an overwhelming majority of kellen's nfl future is still in front of him um and Mm -hmm. maybe his age has worked against him but he's interviewed for a lot of NFL head coaching jobs and not been chosen um, even in the middle mm-hmm. of when the count, you know, when his stock was higher, so to speak, right. Cause his stock's kind of low right now. Um, just in terms of his, his short career, but he even interviewed for the job that went to Nick Sirianni. I mean, when the Eagles were moving on or had, had moved. I said oh, that. Yeah. You did the thing. Well, I was reading, a, I, was, I was reading a thing you. about Ben Johnson. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, fair. But so, I mean, I don't know that he screams leader. And that that's that seems that's my assumption based on this phenomenon. Um, and this is one teeny tiny, very specific example. I don't know if you remember in 2021, Mike McCarthy missed a game uh, due to COVID. He was on the COVID list. Uh, the Cowboys went to New no. Orleans on a Thursday night and they chose Dan Quinn to be the, the interim that night, not Kellen Moore. Now, some right. of that, duh, Dan Quinn's been a head coach before, whatever, blah, blah. But like if you really thought that mm-hmm. Kellen could do it, wouldn't you, you know, wouldn't you have him do it? Well, the Chargers also didn't do that too, you know. Right. Just like when they fired Brandon I mean, Staley. It's 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 all worth discussing, which is what we just did. So, uh, also, uh, I told Farsi this. This feels so like sometimes when when players leave whatever team and they go somewhere, like you know, I think you can kind of understand it. Like they have personalities that mesh. Kellen is not a Philly person, like that. Like he does not, to me, you know, strike the same sort of like intimidating vibe that like your classic Eagles do this. This feels in that way, like DeMarco Murray going to Philadelphia, like, like the most square peg round hole. Like this isn't you, like, what Mm. are you doing? Uh, But maybe it works out. We'll see. I agree with the characterization of like, not doesn't seem, but I also, I don't think Philly people want, well, I think some people might, I think I don't, I don't necessarily want like a Philly person. No, but I think who's just going to run the ball all the time and never, I don't pass. mean that. I mean, like, like, I like Fangio fits the mold to me. Like Fangio's like kind of, kind of tough. Yes. You know what I mean? Like fan, like Kellen hasn't really demonstrated that Lou Collins. I wouldn't go that far. Like, that's not what I'm thinking. Like, I'm just saying like lunch pail <laughs> hard hat. I don't know. I mean, but he's, Vic Fangio's running up the art museum just, steps and taking pictures in front of the Rocky it's statue. Just, some people were like born to be Eagles or born to be whatever, like Cowboys or whatever. Mm-hmm. And Kellen just, it feels very, very, very like he was a great lion and a great cowboy and, and great charger. You know, it, it fit. Mm-hmm. This just doesn't fit in my mind, but you know, we'll see. Um, okay. The giants have no news. I want to give a plug real quick to blogging the boys.com, which Danny is an Phantom. article titled, why the Eagles should love what they're getting in former Cowboys it's, offensive coordinator. It's Kellen worth contextualizing, Moore. and the blog on the boys' audience knows this. Danny is not a big Mike McCarthy fan, and so um, he's kind of long held serve that you know Kellen was the real bones behind the operation. Uh, not to call out Danny, I'm just you know if you want the full context, I that, think that I think that matters. <clears throat> yeah, I I think it's interesting. Let's sorry, last thing on the this part, I the the reaction from Cowboys fans has been mixed. I've seen some people who are like, oh, lol, you know, they're never. 
good luck Eagles never going to run the ball, blah, blah, blah. And then other people are like, I don't know, this might be a good hire for him. So I think it's interesting how the reaction. I'm not next. LOL, but I'm definitely in no way phased. I mean, so, yeah. Okay. It's also worth mentioning the Cowboys really stifled Kellen Moore's offense the one time they faced him, which was earlier this season. But uh, I don't think there's any Giants. Yeah, Nothing going on. Still looking for. Oh, what was what, what was the Kayvon Thibodeau thing you shared? Uh, he said something to the effect of that. Uh, you know, they really should have paid Saquon first, which he did include in there. Uh, no disrespect to Daniel Jones, but I mean, come on. Like, if you're being like, actually, we should have paid the running back first. Uh, then you know, maybe that's not the most glowing review mm. of your quarterback. But in terms of what's going on, uh on the coaching staff search I'm looking at big blue view right now it says giants hope to end defensive coordinator search this week has been going on Take for a while. i mean the, the giants got eliminated much sooner than the eagles did and the eagles got their guy quicker uh it looks like former eagles defensive backs coach denard wilson still in play there so we'll see and then i also see here that uh worth noting that brandon brown another former eagle uh executive was not selected as the Chargers' new GM to pair with uh, Jim Harbaugh. They're going with uh, Joe Horitz from the Baltimore Ravens instead. So Giants keeping Brandon Brown, who was their assistant GM, and they're still looking for a new defensive coordinator. Don't really see a whole lot of else okay. going on. So no real news with the Giants. And this isn't even really Commanders-related as much as it's just NFL-related. But Ben Johnson, as we touched on a little earlier, it is commanders well, I mean, related. He, he was like the odds on he, favorite. He seemed like a lock to be the commander's head coach. He won't be anybody's head coach. Uh, so two things that have come out since even that news, um, just some, if you want to call it context, uh, Adam Schefter uh, tweeted, Ben Johnson was not the head coaching lock that people thought. And his asking price mm. spooked some teams per source. That feels, is that <laughs> like, am I weird for thinking that's a little un like like an unprofessional like that seems a little bit like shade like you know like to be like he he wasn't it, the lock you idiots thought he you know what i mean like it, it, and... i think that's that's probably coming from you know josh right. harris or whatever his like the commander's camp of like because commander are gonna be like, well, why, didn't, why didn't we hire ben johnson and it's gonna be like well actually he didn't actually interview that well and he the, was asking for a lot of money ever, he thought he was a the only report ever on the money was it i think it was justina anderson who reported that he wanted something like 15 million dollars per year that was the only he should he should ask for that he has a lot of leverage people want um, him in theory so um but, but i guess not um but honestly, that shouldn't matter. Like coaching salaries don't count against the salary cap. No fan should care. No fan should ever be like, "Well, he was asking for too much money." No, who cares? If the coach wants a hundred million dollars and he's a great coach, give it. Like, it's, there's no salary cap. Spend whatever so, it takes. So, um, uh, somebody whose work we respect, Nikki Jumpvala. I, I know we're still uh, waiting to make sure that that's the correct pronunciation. Apologies if it's not. Uh, who covers the Commanders for the Washington Post? She tweeted out uh, 15 minutes ago for you and I. She quote, quoted her own tweet that Ben Johnson was staying in Detroit, but then she said, Ben Johnson informed the commanders and Seahawks today, the reason I'm told he wants to win a Super Bowl. Wow. So that's a good yeah, reason. I mean, what a novel concept. Um, I mean, and Ben Johnson's really young. He's going to have another opportunity, you know. So now that they're not going to get Ben Johnson, who do you not Mike want McDonald. the commanders to hire? I already said yeah. that. Yeah, I don't. I don't want them that's, to hire Mike McDonald. That's the worst case scenario at this point. There's just, I mean, not to, not that I know or suspect that he's an amazing head coach, but 
you know, he's been in an organization where there is good coaching. So he has some kind of background like that. Uh, and not even just the Ravens, but also obviously being around Jim Harbaugh as well. So he, he kind of knows what good coaching looks like at some level. And the fact that they do have this defensive, I don't know if it's just, just the scheme or the mindset or whatever, they, they have something going on defense defensively there. And obviously there's part of that's the Ravens are talented, but there's something going on there where it does seem to be like maybe they're on the NFL's next trend defensively. They're, they're where Vic Fangio was uh, years ago here. So yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't love that vision. Obviously, it would then really matter who they would get as their offensive coordinator. That would be a big factor after that. And I don't know exactly uh, who that might be off the top of my head, like who's a natural pairing at this it's, point. I mean, maybe it'd be Brian, Brian I hope, Johnson. But, I hope um, they take Dan Quinn. That's my – you asked worst-case scenario? Best case, they take, they take Dan no. Quinn because he's gone from the yeah. Cowboys, although that would lead to Ron Rivera potentially, so whatever. But then that also, in my mind – Look, to be very clear, I think highly of Dan Quinn, the human being, much like Ron Rivera. So I don't mean to just like trash him, whatever. But that also it like keeps that as two easy dubs for the Cowboys. So, or at least you're not like scared about things being totally different. All- I, I I just almost I almost think they can't make that higher because like how was that different? No, I agree Rivera? with you. Like, to your point. Like you're I think they need somebody. Like, what, what's how, how old is Mike McDonald? What's his exact age? He's probably I'm guessing around. He's I feel like he's, he's thirty six too. I feel like he's on like, the younger side. I think like yeah. the. I don't like like if you're just the commanders are in need of like a youthful movement, a shot in the arm. They, they need, need like, you know they need, some that's what I'm saying. Energy. They need a youthful movement. Like a, a retread head coach just feels like somebody who's just going to be there for five years, like Ron Rivera, and then you know, especially yeah, when you're coming off of that multiple, well, not multiple times over. I guess Jerry Gruden wasn't. I miss Jerry Gruden by the way. I miss him being in the NFC. He's unusually honest head coach, and kind of been fun to see some of his stuff on Twitter where he's just also very um, honest. And and forward. Other news. Hey, um, the Cowboys. This before we get to songs, just because it happened. The Cowboys had three players added to the Pro Bowl. Um, Demarcus Lawrence and Whoop-de-doo. I'm just informing you. Demarcus Lawrence and Jake Ferguson are replacing Nick Bosa and George Kittle, and Tyler Smith is replacing Zach Martin, who is um, excused, I believe, because of the pending birth of his child. Um, and um, Dak Prescott is also not going to participate, um, also due to the pending birth of his um, his daughter. I I think Baker Mayfield is who is replacing Dak. So uh, the same Baker Mayfield who beat the Eagles in the playoffs. So are we ready for songs? Eagles have. What if Bill Belichick goes to the Commanders now? What if they're that desperate? I don't think so. I don't think that's the case. I mean, it's possible. I don't think they're desperate. Uh, are we? I think they have their pick. I don't think no one doesn't want that job. I think they're just being very judicious about who they hire. Are we ready for songs? Uh, sure. Rachelle has gone with "Burning Up" by the Jonas Brothers, which is a mm. great little bop. So great job by Rachelle. Jonas Brothers, still around. I remember when they were kind of first a thing. Uh, I am gonna go with. An artist that's already on the Ooh. NFC East mixtape playlist, which I was looking at earlier today, but it's a different album, I believe. Uh, Rachelle had already put Paramore on. I am going to put another Paramore song the on. Exception. I'm going to go with All I Wanted. All I Wanted Was You is the lyric. Okay, so putting it on right now. Uh, but the song is called All right. I Wanted. Uh, why? It's, a good, it's an album closer, I believe, from the album Brand New Eyes. Why? I love a I love a final song on an album. You know, once upon a time for you youngins, the order of songs on an album 
was important. It, it was, you know, it, it made the experience. So that's the only way I listen to music most of the time is like an album. I listen to albums front to back most of the time. I don't listen to just playlist or so sorry, I don't listen to the, the NFC East mixtape playlist typically. Um, that's not how I listen to music. I'm going with some, a song from one of my favorite albums of all time. In fact, let me, I don't know the album name off the top of my head. Let me make sure. That's high praise. I mean, I'm not like a music um, connoisseur. Like, I don't so. have the highest level of, you know, knowledge on it. It is from One Republic's Native album. Um, now, One Republic, I remember a long time ago in the LimeWire Kazaa days when you would download your own music and then <laughs> you would way. import it into, you know, whatever. What are you talking uh, about? Whatever. Um, yeah. Whatever you use, like whether you had iTunes at the time, you could you could adjust, you know, like the title, you know, you could change it. You know, what I'm talking about like you could, you know, whatever. Because sometimes they had weird titles or or whatever. For like three years, I thought One Republic was misspelled. I thought it was supposed to be two words, but it's not. So, um, fun little fact there. But I I love this album, and at some point I'll probably put the song I Lived on here. That's a great song, kind of like a great life anthem. Mm. But going with the song, it's tenth on on the deluxe edition. Um, so not quite the end, I'm almost a little bit past halfway through. Uh, it's called something I need. And it's a great kind of, um, I don't know what the version, like the movie version of a bridge is called like the part of a movie that's, that would be like the equivalent of the bridge of a song, but it's, it's like great for that. Like the, the, the climax no, or the third act. Yeah. Or, like where the main characters, ex- the where the main unta- characters experiencing uh, like internal growth, you know what I mean? And like, there's maybe generally like a montage or something. Um, and it shows them like conquering or approaching, or, you know, at least doing what they can to encounter their fears or their insecurities. That's more like, the yeah. So thing. like, it's, it's a great kind of like rising. There we go. I don't know if that's a cinematic term, but um, it's, it's it great is. for that kind of moment. So I think we're all in need of that in the NFC East. We're all down bad. Like we're, we're all down so bad that we're just, you know, can't believe y'all are hiring our former loser. Can't believe you're keeping your loser. Can't believe we're keeping our loser. It's like, we're just power ranking losers at this point. So we need a, uh, what did you call it? A rising action. Yeah. That's, I'm looking up like the different terms, like a three act kind of structure is typically the way it goes. It goes exposition, exposition, you know, to start conflict, rising okay. action, climax, falling action. Resolution. By the way, uh, Nikki also has a tweet. Um, this is now about an hour and a half ago in terms of real time for you and I, of uh, Dan Quinn. It looks like this is my assumption going through airport security um, on his way out seemingly of washington because she she tweeted so dan quinn's interview with the commanders is clearly done he's i gotta give dan some props because he's still wearing the suit you know i think a lot of people would have you know changed and maybe thrown on like some sweats or something like that to be more comfortable for the plane but he's still got the tie and everything so you know i mean he's a 50 year old man right <laughs> that's just not the most comfortable you know gear to fly in you know i agree but i don't know uh Sometimes you have to dress for success at all times, I guess. I don't know. I don't really subscribe to that. One Republic, same group that does apologize, right? It's too late to apologize. I never understood. Help me. Maybe I'm being obtuse, if you will. But I never understood the difference between their version of the song and then the Timbaland version that was actually, it's credited to him, Timbaland, apologize, featuring One Republic, I felt like it's pretty much the same song, although the other one, he could kind of hear him go like, yeah, yeah, or something like it's like very subtle. 
and I feel like there are songs out there where there's like remixes, but it's not really that different. I never understand that. What's the point of that? If it's not going to be like dramatically different, why is it a remix? Um, why is it? I don't know version? the purpose behind that. I think that I'm verifying this because I don't want to be wrong. Um, but there, yes. Uh, so no. Um, there was a song they had. I think it was a remix on the song. You've heard the song "Good Life" that they have. It's it's no. a great song, but I think they had a remix with Kanye that was basically the same song, mm. but that just had like a bridge that Kanye did. So I don't know if it was anything like that, but yeah. There's some songs like that, very subtle changes. <clears throat> uh, let's get out of here. As we do. It's a good episode. Yeah, it was really touched on a lot of things. Really strong episode as we leave. What are we going to do next I week? I don't know. I'll be in Las Vegas for the super bowl so oh, yeah well yeah, we have to figure that out yeah you know, we'll figure something out something will get done um as we leave should we hear from the super so i think the, the idea i said to you we, we should hear from the super bowl people that would be our, our people stats yeah stats is gonna oh actually i guess i should tell you here Pete stats Sweeney. is gonna be there so every, like once again everyone subscribe to the gold standard network stats i don't know that he's gonna sleep next week but um i'm gonna get to meet stats in person can you punch him in the face how tall do you think he is i mean i know you're six or five but like how tall do you think Um, because in my head he's very tall i think he's a a tall person Uh, i think he's tiny yeah i think i'm five ten so i'm do you think i'm taller than him or same height i think he's tall that's my assumption too but i don't don't know why i'm guessing he's like six foot but like not like a fake six foot like a real six foot yeah like you're not like, like these guys who are like five, right, right. Well, kind of like how you're like barely six way. five, similar sort of thing. Um, I am verified six foot. Nine. Um, okay, well, we'll put together some kind of plan. Um, but everybody, check out the Gold Standard Network. And Brandon, as we leave, why don't you tell us something or someone who for them, someone. yeah, someone who for them it is too late to apologize. Oh my gosh! <laughs> wow, dramatic ending. Um, the ref from the 20, 2011 season NFC championship game featuring the Giants and the 49ers where Ahmad Bradshaw fumbled the ball clearly and the ref blew the quickest whistle of all time to negate that fumble. And they were like, oh, we can't challenge this because they blew the whistle, even though it was incredibly clear that was a fumble. And the 49ers recovered, and they should have won that championship game. The Giants haven't won the Super Bowl. So it's very much too late for that person to apologize. 